yesterday's price is not today's price. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. And we're about to make a little bit of mixtape history because we have our very first, I can say it now, Major League Baseball player, Samad Taylor, is in the building. Samad, welcome to the mixtape. Thank you for having me, Chief. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start with the now, like right now. And then we're going to go back and learn more about you and your journey. But right now is an interesting period for you. Because after, I guess, at the end of the winter season, you've been named on the Royals' 40-man roster. They, I, I'm assuming, and I was, I've been doing my research, uh, I think the move is definitely made because the Royals value what you're bringing to the table. And they didn't want anybody else to even mess around and pick you up in, and was it the Rule 5 draft? So they didn't. It was. So I had, I had skipped the Rule 5 draft the day that they had a uh... – the day they called me was the last day. It was either I was protected or I was going to be a free agent or we talk about some free agent stuff. But God blessed me to to get that call that morning, and they, they put me on the 40-man. So, so tell everybody, tell me, what does that mean? And then what's that call feel like? Because you've been working your whole life to get to the point where you're on a 40-man roster of a major league baseball team. You've achieved that dream, and I know you have so much to go, but but – what is that like and what's that feeling like? It is it's I'm not gonna say a dream come true because I haven't I haven't made my debut yet, but it, it's in a step to the right direction of saying it's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And it was it was the phone call was a chilling phone call. Miss <laughs> uh, Meyer woke me up out my out my sleep. Phone was ringing and I was a little not intimidated to answer, but it was bright and early. So I didn't really want to pick the phone up, picked it up. He gave me the news and it was, it was like a big, big relief of weight off my back. And I, I can say that I legit felt the weight come off my back when he told me that I was selected to be on the 40 man. And it's just, it's another step in the right direction. It's another step chasing my dream. and, And I hope that I can take this opportunity and turn it into a long career, 10 plus years. Now, being on the 40 man right now, what does that mean in regard? Because this is the offseason. Everybody's been talking about hot stove. Everybody's been talking about who's going where, what's going on. But being on the 40 man, being protected, obviously now there's training in the offseason and that type of thing. But but does that mean you're just getting ready for spring training? Spring training comes, you're with the big club, and we're going to see how it goes? So as of right now, the the active roster is whatever the active roster is, whoever's on it. Um, I get ready right now for spring training, going to spring training and and just compete to to make the team out of out of spring training and hopefully make open a day roster. Um God forbid that to not happen, I'll go back to AAA, but I'm still on the 40 man roster and and God mm-hmm. could God could bring me up whenever he wants. So that leads to the next question is would be a the, the well natural baseball question. Then we'll talk about some other things. But health wise, last year you, last year you you were you know doing doing pretty well. Then there were some injuries that took place. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It kind of caused you to shut down your season early last year. How how are you feeling health wise? Do you feel ready to go? Where are you on your your training and and getting back to getting ready for spring training? Since the since the trade, um. The Royals have done a tremendous job with my rehab process. They got me ready for the fall league. Mm-hmm. I personally didn't do what I wanted to do in the fall league, but that's understandable. Um, it happens in the game of the game we play, a game of failure. Um, and it it was it was a whirlwind. Just <laughs> it, 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 it was it was a whirlwind coming over hurt, knowing that my seasons. My season's complete. My season's done. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting ready for what's up next. And what was up next for me was just getting healthy. Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel the best that I've felt since I had tore my oblique. And I'm I'm more than happy with what the rehab process that I went through with Kansas City. And and I feel like they've gotten me back to 
back to me. That's really exciting because again, what the what the, when the trade happened and the health it, it, and and getting back, you've been targeted. We'll talk about this too, but you've been targeted as a prospect, I believe, right now, and even in the Royals organization, posted fairly new to the Royals organization posted trade, but you're still in the top twenty five of top prospects in the Royals. So people are expecting. Look, they're expecting big things. Out of, yeah, out of what man. you can do, and I know you want to be as healthy as you can to, to shine through. You are a unique uh, player to me in the sense of when you look at kind of what Major League Baseball has turned into, you're the type of player that can play just about anywhere, outfield, infield. Uh, you're, you know, you've shown some power. You're running, you know, you've shown flashes of speed, patience at the plate. Uh, so you bring a lot of the tools that everybody talks about in those in those scenarios of what players are looking for how was how did you get to the point in your development where you you know you were like hey look outfield infield wherever coach let me let me just rock because now you know there's people that People play second base. They don't even play third base no more. You know what right, I mean? It's right, like, right, right. So how, how have you been able to keep that, uh, I guess, that utility open for you to be all over the field? So I'll take you back coming up as a youngie. Um, coming up as a young buck, I was always the smallest dude. And I still am to this day <laughs> going to be the smallest dude. Um, but my dad installed in me to never to never give up and always fight. Always fight, always fight. Um, if I couldn't get on the field playing second base, I was going to make sure that I was on the field doing something else. If it was behind the plate catching, if it was playing third, short, center, left, right, wherever it was, I was going to do what I had to do to be the best at that position. Uh, coming into pro ball, I was drafted as a shortstop by the Indians. Never played shortstop with the Indians. I probably – I think I played maybe – I didn't even play a full game at shortstop with the Indians while I was over there with the Indians for the year span that I was there. Mm-hmm. Got to Toronto, and I'm going to be honest, my hands weren't the best. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have the greatest style of fielding, you should say. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thought in my head was just make the play. However you made it, you made it. And I got I got beat up a lot. <laughs> A lot, a lot, a lot. Every day I was I was doing something. Uh 2017, my manager Cesar Martin. The first month of the season, it's brick cold. It's 30 degrees outside. Yeah. He got me outside early doing something defensively. So shout out to him. And I, I just feel like over the time I progressed, 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 progressed to get better and better. And then I didn't play outfield all pro ball. And the last yeah. My the last of my outfield experience before Pro Ball was my sophomore year of high school. That's but like I just came up playing, like I was I was always doing something. Um and then over the time I just 2018, they snuck me in there at third base, mm-hmm. handled my own. 2019, I was stuck all over the place. Third base, second, couple games just short, and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, it, it was it was a wreck because at that point I was fighting for my career. Right. I was fighting. For, I was I was fighting to to make it out of spring training because I had 2018, 2019. I had two bad offensive years, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't sign for a lot of money. So everything that was going through my head was like everything negative. But it's negative to the next person because I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna keep everything straightforward. I'm gonna. The truth is the truth. If I'm fighting for my job, I'm fighting for my job. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and be like, oh, well, I got – nah, you fighting for your job. You're fighting to get out of spring training. And that's why I felt like I was fighting to get out of spring training. And they had called me to go play uh, winter ball in Australia for the Kobe year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. I'm going to a, a foreign country I ain't never been. Like, come on, let's do it. So they called me there. Then I had to go to Florida right before I left to Australia. And they were like, hey, you ever play outfield? I'm like, yeah, but it was years ago. But, like, I, I'll say this, and this may seem 
coming off cocky. No, 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 no. Tell, tell the story. Tell the story. I, I feel like I'm an athlete. Like, right. An athlete, you can adjust to certain things if you if you truly an athlete. And they threw me in outfield, and I, I feel like I didn't miss a beat. The first the first ball was a little little sketchy, but <laughs> <laughs> after that, man, I was good. I feel like I ain't, I ain't miss a beat, and I've been in utility role since then, since 2020. And, and do I'm you think? And do you think, in regards to your development, um, because you were talking about your journey through through kind of pro ball in different positions, um, I look at it now, and I'm sure the organization probably looks at it like an asset. Did you see it at the time as as Hey, this is what I can bring to any team. I just put me in anywhere, and I'm gonna make a shape. See, now I've always, I've always thought that. I've always felt that way towards myself. But getting in the pro ball, like when I first got into it and I seen how the game was structured, there weren't that many utility guys. No, it's different. I, they there weren't at all. Like I can't even I think D Gordon was like the start of like the the big, big utility role. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like in with with black ball players, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Like Lee Gordon was like the head of the utility role. And I feel like once organizations and, and teams started to see like what he was bringing to the table, that's when everything took off with the utility thing. And like, I, I'm going to tell you any way I can impact the game and any way I can help my team win at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I got to do to help my team win. Cause I hate losing. Like I've, I, I, I hated it. <laughs> Bro, bro, y'all play, look, now, look, I, I get it, but y'all look, y'all play 162. It's a lot of games, hey, man. Hundred, if if we walk away <laughs> with 162 wins, you I do, come on, I can't be mad at that. And that's like not to get into the to the whole injury side uh, of it. No, no, that's where I feel like a lot of my injuries have came from. It's just playing the game crazy hard, like. Mm. The oblique thing, I I still to this day don't know how I tore my oblique. Mm. I don't know if I did it. I felt it on the swing, but I don't know if it it happened prior to the swing and right. when I'm first now feeling it. But I tell people all the time, like I'm not gonna change the way I play the game, mm. and I, I I stand on it. And I tell young kids all the time, play the game hard. If you get hurt, you get hurt. Talk to me about because you alluded to it as well being in those positions uh, early on, early on in pro ball and having, um, you know, going through struggles, whether it's at the plate or just struggles to uh, adjusting and to the place where you are now, 40 man roster going to spring training, where did it and how did it turn around for you? And do you think it was on the field or do you think it was, you had to change kind of your approach mentality, any of that? I mean, obviously I'm talking to you right now and, and I can see, I can, see and hear the will and the determination of, of you saying, Hey, look, I got to go out. I'm going to make a shake no matter what I do. But when you're, how did you kind of overcome that adversity in the, in those early days to get to where you are now? I would say Mookie bets really like right. Mookie, just watching. So as bad as COVID hurt was as great as COVID was to my, to my career personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really grew up watching baseball. Like I was just always a player. You're playing, yeah. If you play, you don't watch player. nearly as much. Never, yeah. yeah, I was never a student of the game, and I can honestly say that I was okay. never a student of the game. And my dad would always get on me, man. You gotta watch baseball. You gotta watch. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And as a kid growing up, you're not trying to hear <laughs> everything your parents say. Honestly, you're not trying to right. hear. It. And I'm a kid, man. I'm trying to go outside and and play baseball in the front yard with a tennis ball or play basketball with my neighbor. So I never grew up watching baseball. Okay. COVID hit, and that was the only thing I was able to do. Because I was okay. going – honestly, I was going crazy being in the house in May, knowing I'm supposed to be on the field playing, and we can't even play. Right. So the but, the ma- but the majors were still playing in the, in the closed arenas, right? Exactly. So the only thing I was able to do is just sit back, kick my feet up, and enjoy baseball and study the game. And it came down to when I really felt that it changed. Mookie Betts had a – I can't remember who they were playing. 
he had an bat where he took three pitches on the outer half, like centimeters away from the of the black. Mm. Call for balls, and I'm sitting there like, man, this dude is not swinging at these pitches. What's going on? He he's doing something that I'm not doing because honestly, I'm in a <laughs> box at this time. I'm swinging. You go swing I'm I'm swinging. <laughs> if this was my mindset, if it's over the plate and it's thrown straight. I'm trying to hit. I'm trying to hit this ball hard. I'm trying to make sure you know, like this is my intentions on hitting the ball hard. And like I had a big, big swing and miss rate coming up. Mm -hmm. When I watched him do it, I knew that I was able to do it. Like I knew for a fact, if they doing it, if he's doing it, and he's getting paid this amount of money, why can't I do it? Like why? Why not hey. me? And so from there, did you, when you started studying the game and learning more, was it more like I just got to be more selective? I got to look for my pitches. I got to look for the things that like what what changed? Like seeing that at bat, what was you? It you was, what what took it? What did you take away from? It all came down to being a student. Mm. That, that's what it. The game, the game of baseball is it's hard, man. It's hard. It truly is. Mm. But I feel like the differences between the guys that are in the game forever. And the guys that only have that cup of tea or or the the short short term is the students of the game and the guys that can can make adjustments and be consistent and like the game is like this but I I'll go like that but once I go like that I want to go back up and mm -hmm. that's the differences between those great ball players and the dudes that's in the minor league struggle. Yeah, I I, I heard another interview with uh, with. Uh other kind of other pro players and they, and they were saying it, which I wouldn't imagine because like I said, I, I one, I've never played at that level, but they were like, man, you're going to have streaks when you owe for 35, oh, for 40, oh, for 42. And even in those streaks, you could be hitting the ball hard. It's just like things don't. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, like, like you doing everything right. And you still might be over, oh, over oh, 20. You know what I mean? Over oh, It is, it is a tough thing, but I think it's it's equally tough mentally, right? It wears 100%, on you. 100%. Like, I tell people this all the time, and it's crazy to even say this. You got to be a sick person in the head to play baseball. Because <laughs> it's short, 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 short memories. You got to be a sick person in the head. You are playing a game where you're going to fail 70% of the time. And be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and you still, if you fail 70% of the time, you still bat 300. Thank you. Let's let's talk. You alluded to your parents. Uh, I know you are a, a California born born and raised in Cali. Uh, how did you fall in love with just the game? Like we're just we, this is the black baseball mixtape. We talk about this. We're always looking and saying, "Hey, man, how do we get more interest in amongst our community?" But it seems like you grew up with the game and went from there. Was it was it your parents' influence? How did you fall in love with the game of baseball? It was my pops and my grandfather for the most part. Just coming up as a young and them taking me to Dodger games and Angel games, but on, on off of just being like being taken to games, it was my dad. My dad just he he installed it in me like like numerous 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 hours of work with my dad coming up as a young and I hated. I'd say I hate working <laughs> with my pops. I hated it because it was always. You know how it is growing up. Sure. Like I, I always felt like I was right. Right. And in reality, I wasn't. But I can say that all the times that me and my dad then clashed and butted heads about the game, and then got me to where I'm at now. And I have no regrets of anything that I have ever done in the game, clashing with my pops or none of that. Because it it has got me to this point. And I truly think if I didn't have my pops pushing me and didn't have my mom and sister and family pushing me and pushing me and pushing me because they know what I have. I don't think I'd be in the position I'm in now. And it's always, it's always that balance, right? Cause you know, I remember growing up and, and having people push me and me at the time, like you said, not even nearly as talented as I thought I was, but I'm like, come, you know, come on. Why can't I just do something else? Yeah, why can't I be a kid? Right. And and now I have an eight-year-old. I have an eight-year-old son who 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 likes baseball and plays. And, I'm, you know, you're always trying to find that balance. And the weird part about all of it is ultimate, like you were saying, and I don't know if this works. It, 
it either washes out in certain ways in what you're describing. Like when you look back on it and whether you're a successful pro baseball player or not, or just like a more developed, you know, person, you look at it. Some, some people look at it and be like, yeah, that was the best thing for me. Like kept me out of trouble. Keeps me, you know, keeps me actively doing something. And then there are people, I know them that are my age. That'll be like, yo, I ain't never going to be like my pops. (laughs) So it's this weird balance. It's this weird balance. Um, what was it like? You know, California is a baseball-rich state always. Um, was there a lot of baseball? I know you're saying your pops and your grandpa, but when you were growing up playing, was there a lot of uh, high-level high level competition and high-level ball, or was it something that you had to seek out? Um, In my area specific, not travel-wise, in my mm-hmm. area specific, for the most part, you had you had your guys. Like mm-hmm. you, you had a select few guys that I grew up with that I can say that were like really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you got into high school, you kind of started to see like certain guys veer off to certain certain routes. But sure. for the most part, I didn't really grow up playing weaker competition. Um, mm-hmm. I was always the youngest on my team, so I always played up okay. just to get me to the position I'm in now. Um, so, like, I don't really – I wouldn't say the competition was crazy elite, but I wouldn't say the competition was, like, some of these other states. But They got, like, they got people, you to where you are, right? Exactly, so. Like, well, no, California do – it does breed ball players. <laughs> right, I, I, can't, right. I can't say that. It does breed ball players. Right. So I grew I, I grew up playing a whole a bunch of these dudes. Like grew up playing with Mickey Moniak, grew up playing with Josh Stevens, Blake Rutherfords. Like I grew up playing with a lot of these dudes that's in Pro Bowl now. Mm-hmm. So how did you adjust? Because you did you you went right out of high school to Correct. so how did you adjust to a professional lifestyle? Tell talk to me about the life stuff. Not not the ball stuff, but the Whoa. life stuff. How did you adjust from coming out of high school, getting drafted, and and playing pro ball? What was the, what would you say some of the biggest challenges? Some of the big things that you liked the like the most? Some of the biggest challenges, and then tell me some of the stuff that was just unexpected. What was some of the things like when you transitioned? Nobody like you're like nobody told me this. All right, I'll start. I'll start with the challenges. Challenges, honestly. And I know this is a podcast, but like I said, I'm gonna keep it a buck. The challenges is the women, hundred percent. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Like, it makes sense. I don't even right. have to dive into it. You know what it is. I understand. Don't get yourself in trouble. Exactly. The, <laughs> it's it's the women and like being a younger guy. Like for me, I just run my my whole background on that. Being a younger guy getting drafted is real, real dope. Mm. But it can hurt you in a lot of ways. I was 17 when I signed. Mm-hmm. I went to rookie ball, and this was before rookie ball was – like you had dudes that was 23 in rookie ball. Like you had some older guys in rookie ball at the time. So I'm dealing with – Knowing what I really want to do, and that's chase my dream. But I'm dealing with my roommate being 22 years old. Hey, bro, let's go to the club. I can get you in. Hey, bro, let's do this. I got – like, <laughs> it, it was things like that. And being young – Right. Being young, just signing, and you, you're a boy at the end of the day. Like, you want to go have the fun. So I was, I was doing those things. I was chasing – Chasing the girls, I was going out, I was partying, I was like I I did it all. And the biggest thing to take out of that, honestly, it's fun to enjoy yourself, but at the end of the day, you get this opportunity one time. Right. You get the opportunity right. to chase your dream and, and play something that you love. Play a game that you love. You get you get the opportunity one time. So chase that dream. The party and all that. Man, that's gonna be there. It like it, it's forever gonna be there. You can go out with true. 
You can go out to the clubs with your boys when you're 40 and retired with $100 million in your account. So I, I look at it like that now. <laughs> right, right. At the time, it's a different story. I was, I was, I was doing what I was doing. Did and, you? I was say, did you know the schedule? Like, cause the, we we talk about it before we jumped on real quick. The schedule of a professional ball player is crazy, and it's not a situation where, unless you know, you have certain support systems, there might not be somebody being like, "Hey, yo, smart, get up." We gotta go. You know what I mean? We gotta be yeah, here and here and here. How 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 was that part? Because I think that's that a lot was, of things that people don't understand. That was that that's tremendously it was tremendously hard due to the fact of I was young. I was 17. I've never lived on my own. Right. Only like the closest that I've lived on my own was like traveling to places to go play ball without my parents. But that's for three, four days. Like we talking about months now. Yeah. The hardest part on it, honestly, was getting up. Like, <laughs> like get getting up in the morning, knowing in high school, you get up late, you got something that you got to do at the school. All right, I'll get there when I get there. Now nah, in pro ball, you you get up late, like you got consequences now. Like, right, people starting to find you. Dudes in sign for a lot of money. Now you got money coming out your pocket because you. Went out, you did whatever, whatever the case may be for you to have been late. But like the hardest thing was just like getting in a routine. Like the routine part of it was hard for me because it was, I was always so used to like, okay, well, I got a game Saturday. We'll get to the game at one o'clock Saturday. We get to the field at 12, stretch, throw, game time. Nah, now, game at two. <laughs> You had to feel that nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning. We talking. You gotta live. You gotta practice. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta do a bunch of things in between. So like the first couple of weeks, I'm be honest, I was all over the place. Right. All over the place. I knew what time I had to be at the field. I was getting to the field on time. Now in between that time of getting to the field to game time, man, I was playing follow the leader. Right. Right. I'm follow the leader because it's it's so much going on. Okay, you're an infielder today. I can be an outfielder tomorrow. Right. I'm an infielder today. I got to take ground balls, cuts and relays, pickoffs and bun defenses. Tomorrow I'm going down track and fly balls. But I, in the back of my head, I still got to remember what we worked on and what we talked about the day before. It's so like the routine part hard because it's easy. It's easy to get in the routine, and it's real easy to get out of routine. Right. Yeah, and again, really. like you said, you gotta and and being so young early on, now probably a little bit easier. But it's like you know, making sure that you're doing all of this and keeping the routine and keeping your head on straight, and 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 making it and making it and getting better. Because that's the thing you gotta 100%. perform on the field and, and get better uh, every day, right? Percent. Like I had. I had a little incident where I had showed up to the field late because I had a we had one out the night prior and I showed up. I had woke up on time and everything. Sat in bed, was waiting for my roommate to get up, and I don't even remember falling back to sleep. Right. Fell back to sleep, woke up late, panicking, like, oh dang. Like I'm about to get released. Like the whole, like I'm thinking of the worst. This is my first year. I'm like, man, I'm it's over with. Like, what am I gonna tell my parents? That's the only thing that was coming to my head. What am I going to tell my parents? Man, I get to the field. I throw my pants on and my jersey on. We got a 9 a.m. meeting. I show up to the field at 8.55. 9 a.m. meeting. We got to be in the cafeteria at 9 a.m. I'm like, man, get to run into the field, run into the field. Man, I throw my pants on and my jersey, no undershirt, no sliding (laughs) pants, just pants and underwear. Going to the meeting, I practiced the whole entire day just like that, and that was that was the day where I said I'll never show up late to the field again. Right, because that to practice like that honestly was the most uncomfortable thing that I have ever done in my career. And you just uh, that this is this is amazing because again people kind of see the 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 you know the kind of the glorious part of it, right? Pro ball, playing the kids' game, getting paid money. But they don't know all of the stuff that happens okay. behind the scenes to to make it shake. Um, let me ask you, 
and we'll switch gears even a little bit more because one of the things that we always want to talk about, especially on the mixtape, is seeing players like yourself promoting the game and having players, uh, black players that look like us, supporting the community and doing those things. I just saw, I think it was this week, might have been yesterday, you were at an elementary school giving back. And, 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 you know, I saw the kids, the smiles of those kids' faces in your hometown, and y'all are doing, I guess, winter holiday stuff. Right. How important to you is it to kind of set the path for the next generation of of ball players, kids that love the game, kids that look like us playing the game? How, is is that a part of your your kind of thinking when you go through this? Hundred percent. This one little example. Yesterday, like you said, I was at a school, elementary school, giving back, and afterwards, I receive a DM from. Um, uh, older male that his son was at the school and I had no clue. And he texted me, he's like, hey, like you signing that and giving that gift and everything to my kid just made him want to play baseball. I grew, I'm a minority. Like mm-hmm. in, in, in the game of baseball, we are minority. My biggest goal is to make it, obviously, and to make a whole lot of money. But I want to bring more minorities to the game. Anything I can do if it's giving you a baseball, signing a baseball, stopping to talk to you about the game, like what whatever I can do to get you to wake up and be like, dang, I, I want to go play baseball. Or I want to try to play baseball. At the end of the day, my job is complete. You mm. want it to go do it. Nowadays, kids is, man, I want to go play football. I want to go play basketball. I want to do this. I want to do that. They talking about that because, one, what do you see on Sports Center and in ESPN? You see us black folks playing football and baseball or football and basketball. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna say you don't see it a lot in the game, but we not broadcast it like No, I'm gonna say we don't see it enough. We don't, no, we don't see it enough. You get look, I'll take it 100%. for you. I'll take it for you so you don't have to say it. But when I was growing up, I I, I told my son this all the time. When I was growing up, it was Griffey, it was Bo Jackson, it was Dion. Like, we had barbershop arguments about black players all the time. It was the 95, 96 Braves, like Ron Gant, Terry Pendle, Dave Jones. Like, we could Ron name Washington, all of these right. All the OGs. And, and so now, I think we have, you mentioned Mookie, we have dynamic players, but I don't see the Nike, I don't see the, the Mookie Nike commercial everywhere like i know he's got endorsements but i don't see but you're not going you're not and it's sad to say regardless of what mookie does for the game of baseball you will never see blown up commercials with an african-american baseball player you just won't see it the closest one we get is judge right but i think look i think i think this ended but it has to be a conscious effort because i think what sells today in regards to the marketing part of this, and I'm a media guy, uh, what sells today, I think, is swag, is cool, 100%. is – is, and here's the thing that I really truly believe, players like yourself, players uh, that's coming up that you see, they are some of the coolest players. Bro, we got so many cool black baseball players coming up now. No. That I that I think is going to be undeniable. Now it may not look like it did when we're talking about like Griffey and Nike, right? But I think it's going to look a lot like like if we looked at last season, uh, you saw O'Neill Cruz from the Pirates, right? Like the highlights started making it on, like people are looking on on the phone. Exactly. Mason Wynn uh, in the Cardinals organization. People are oh, looking on the head. phone at the feet. Yeah. Now, first of all, I told my man, look, look. I, I told, uh, I think I, I, I told uh, someone the other day, I was like, now I'm looking at this. I'm like, yo, you somebody got to tell, like, you got to chill. You can't be throwing a hundred miles an hour from shortstop. Like what's happening here? But, on the mound. but, but I, I, I just see the way that young talent, in pro ball, it's, and, and a lot of it hasn't gotten, some of it's gotten in major leagues, a lot of it hasn't just yet. But it's like, yo, these, 
the the talent and the swag and the understanding. And we'll talk about look, we'll talk about your modeling career as well. Cause I know you get to but 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 the understanding of what is culture and what is cool, I think has changed a lot. And I do believe all the time that media is behind culture, right? Like something is happening, something's bubbling, you know, Aesop mob is bubbling. It takes years before people be like, okay, oh, this is the next exactly. thing by the time. And I see right now with, with, with black players coming up in all levels of pro ball, that level of swag, that level of like, and I do think now we run the risk of by the time people really catch on and not being as cool as it is right now, but it is, but, but what happens is those, those sports centers that you talk about, they're going to follow like it, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like um, I think somebody called it like a media industrial complex. If we wake up every day and hear ESPN or first take or whatever, talking about the Cowboys, whether they're good or bad or whatever, people are just going to keep talking about the Cowboys. Right, right, right. 100%. But if and, and baseball has lost a lot of that, people don't wake up and talk about baseball, talk about baseball, talk about who's the players, who's the, 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 Number of press that I've I've seen this off season, this hot stove season. Now, granted, a lot of it it was following Aaron Judge, but you know you're talking about Carlos Correa, you're talking about where's Trey Turner going, where's that? Like I heard a bunch of stuff that I've never heard before. It, like like two off seasons though, I couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? Like who yeah, is signing exactly. where this year? Usually, like what? Like you know. Verlander's going weird and Mets is losing this. And so it just, it just seemed like the excitement around it has picked up, but I'm with you because, but I do think, so my my long story of this is I think if you keep seeing dynamic players that are showing swag and getting, you know, getting those kind of whole areas, I'm I'm a, I do a lot like hip hop writing as well. That's how, that's how you started seeing those movements in those cultures. So I do think I wouldn't give up hope on it because I see what's coming. I see the kid, like the players that are coming. And like I said, I lumped you definitely in that group of somebody that's going to one perform on the field, but two, when you're not performing on the field, you have that ability. Like I said, look, the, the, the model looks and the model, look, look, and the legends, oh, legends endorsements. I and I, I think that has, to, I think all of that plays a part, man. I think it just has to, man. The biggest, the biggest person, and shout out to my boy Jazz. Jazz is changing the game. Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's a different level. He's a Jazz different level of drip. Changing the game for black ball players, and I say that just because before Jazz came into the, into pro ball, who was doing what Jazz is doing? Mm-hmm. Who was wearing the bust down chains? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cartier glasses on the field, playing on the field with Cartier glass. Who was doing stuff like that? Nobody was doing that in the game of baseball. The mm-hmm. only the only sport that you were seeing those drastic um, swag movements is football. Odell Beckham coming on the right. field with a, with a and who and who, and who are the kids following? Right. You see so what I'm saying? Like, like, so it's they like following the the. They're following what's what's hot at that moment. What's hot at that moment, honestly, right now in the game of baseball, chains, yeah, earrings, and pimp jobs. Those is in 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 show in showboat. Those are the four things that's going on in the game right now. As long as as sad as to say this, as long as those four things in the game keep going on, the game is gonna take off. And that's when the game is gonna change from the game of baseball we play now to that. Fun, free, swaggy game of baseball. If that makes sense, but it and it, I, I agree. But it's all it's you know I, I I appreciate the conversation because it reminds me in my age group I'm in my forties, but it also reminds me of like the Iverson effect. Like people don't fool. I'm from Virginia, so I, Iverson is is our guy. Like we we Iverson, will fight you over Iverson. Dude, like Iverson the, don't even get the credit he's supposed right. to get. But the Iverson effect in in the NBA, I think. The interesting thing is because I I think you're right about uh, jazz, but I also think that there's just so many other players too. 
that that are following that. Like it's going to be a crop. Like, it's not going to. It's not just going to oh. be like like Iverson was almost in an island. This, think about like when Wu Tang came with a rat. I think that's the number of play. Like you'll see the number of players that because because that's what if you look at the high school, you look at like travel and college. A lot of that swag is being articulated in, in ways, and it's just I, I do think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a future really quick before look. We're going to get, we're going to look, we're going to try to get you on as much as possible. And I know, I hope you're enjoying the way we're going. Oh with yeah, this. man. This is but, a but let's, let me ask a couple of, look, a couple of quick hitters and then we'll get you out of here because I really do appreciate it. Uh, goals for 2023, my man. Well, when you look at kind of what you have in front of you and I know like you're working hard, what, what are the things that you want to see out of yourself as you move into 2023? I'll say this to set, to set number goals, that's a that's a um, yeah, that's a, it must, might be set up. It might be a setup. Exactly, I'll say, and my goal is short and simple: be the best version of myself every day. Mm-hmm. Be the be the best version of myself every day. I personally feel that I am a five tool player. I feel that I impact the game in numerous ways. If I'm zero for four. You can best believe if I get this fifth at bat, I'm reaching base somehow, some way, via air, whatever, whatever I got to do to get on base. Because I know once I get on base, the game is going to change. Mm-hmm. And I, I cause havoc on the base path. So I just I just say be the best version of myself. I can't do nothing. I can't help the team and be the best version of myself if I'm not right here mentally. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the biggest goal for myself is just stay, stay positive mentally or stay on the same – the same straight line mentally and just be the best version of myself. Who were, who was your, who did you look to growing up as a player? Like who was, who was your dude as a player growing up? When I first, first, first started watching the game, it was Sean Figgins. And that's, hmm. that, that's, that's, that's a first. I'm going to keep it 100. That, Not a lot of people a, are going to say. That's a random one. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, random. yeah, yeah. How did that happen? So when he was, when he was with, the Angels. So my godparents live right across the street from me, as random as that is, and as weird as that is. And my godparents is crazy Vladimir Guerrero fans. So, mm-hmm. like, they used to always go to Angel games, and we used to always tag along. And growing up watching Sean Figgins play, a switch hitter, being a black ball player, playing the same positions I play, like, I was just always Sean Figgins, Sean Figgins, Sean Figgins, Sean Figgins. Like, I wore the number nine because of Sean Figgins. Hmm. And once I started to like, once he started to to like get older and veer out the game, my favorite player and the only reason I'm not gonna say the only reason, but what attracted me to watching him play is his swag and his flair of the game was Jose Reyes. Hmm? Jose Reyes, man, he's a man. He's a man. man, I used to wear chant like all the beaded <laughs> necklaces. I used, I used to try to hit like Jose the whole nine. Like I just try to do everything. All right, don't get in trouble, but I'm going to ask you this: it, within the game of baseball, who's the coolest person you met? Within the game, not outside the game. I'm asking you that later, but inside the game, it's two of them. Okay, three, three of them. Malik Smith, like. Dear to my heart, he took me in when he was with the Jays. Mm-hmm. Austin Jackson was the first, besides Francisco Lindor, Austin Jackson was the first person to honestly like, and he was in the big leagues with the Indians. He was the first dude to just pull me aside and just chop it up. Mm. about and We were chopping it up about anything. I talked to Austin still to this day. And the third person... Hands down, shout out to my boy Dexter Fowler. Mm. That's like, that's my man. <laughs> and it's crazy because he was only, I only met Dexter Fowler. I was playing with Dexter Fowler for only a week. Okay. I've known Dexter Fowler like in person for only a week. And it feels like, like, it feels like I've known him my whole life. Like, we still be texting to this day. Like, he didn't always, since he left the Blue Jays and ended his career and moved on to, 
to other things in life with with the game and out of the game, I can say he's always had a handout in if I ask for anything and talk to him about anything. Another person, Adam Jones. Shout out to Adam Jones. Mm-hmm. No Adam, former center fielder for the Orioles. Yeah, Adam Jones out there living his life. <laughs> Shout out. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, you you go by the Instagram handle of little little Bill. Your name is Samad Taylor. Explain this. How, how did right, this happen? So, so I was with the Indians, and I showed to the field one day, and my locker is not where my locker was when I left the field. So I'm like, man, where all my stuff at? Like, I know at the time the clubby or the clubbies is still there. They always be playing jokes. Right. They always be playing jokes. And I'm like, man, where my stuff at? Where my stuff at? So I'm pissed walking around the locker room like, bro, y'all moving my stuff. Like, they always harp on don't touch your teammate stuff. So I'm pressing. Like, but where's my stuff at? The clubby come out laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? Like, y'all know where my stuff is. Just tell me where my stuff is. I'm walking around the locker. Still can't find my locker. So I walk past this locker and I look up and it's a picture of the cartoon character, Lil Bill. Mm. What? All my stuff is like hidden in the locker. <laughs> but the picture's up there. And I'm like, bro. So ever since then, from that day on, I wrote it out. That's you just owned it. it. You just owned it. You got to. Excellent. Excellent. Uh playlist. It's it's the end of the year. Everybody's coming out with their top top albums, top playlists. What's in your playlist? What do you listen to? Oh, right now. I ain't gonna lie, that new scissor. <laughs> Is a banging, but okay. like if we talking, if we talking rap and stuff like that, nah, anything, anything, anything you want. I mean, my favorite song right now, we got flash flood alerts going on. Know, <laughs> um, damn, my favorite song right now, it might be some older stuff, honestly. Uh, no, I take that back. My favorite song right now is Grateful by DJ Khaled. Okay. Okay. No, I like it. If you weren't playing baseball, what would you be doing? If you career wise. Or if... that's a good one. Uh... <laughs> I've never thought about this. <laughs> what else? What else do you like? <laughs> it would I like a lot of things, honestly. Um uh... oh. That's funny. I would have been in school trying to do something with graphic design. Okay. Okay. Design, and if not that, like professional jet ski or something (laughs) like some crazy stuff. You know, like I'm being honest, I love being on the jet ski. I don't like the ocean. I don't like the water. I don't like the ocean or the water, but the jet ski. Jet ski, boy, it's time to go. Oh man, look, Saban, I really, really appreciate it. this. Is, I'll get you out on this. This will be the last one, and I and I ask most most of my guests this, and I'm always surprised by the answers. Um, living or dead, you can face any pitcher, any pitcher throughout the history of baseball. Who do you face? He alive, my agent, Dave Stewart. There you go. All I right. If you ever listen to this, Stu, I need it. Look, I see. Look, I see pictures. Back. Look, I see pictures of Dave Stewart the other day. He might still be able to go. He might even. He might give you a run. Listen, I know the real Dave Stewart. <laughs> he can give you. He can give you I'm, a run. Dave, I'm sending you way out the stadium, Lonnie. If you hear this, you can pass <laughs> it on to Stewart. I'm see, look, look, he getting out of pocket now. He getting out of pocket. Get him out of the stadium. You do. Uh, you you do have, you know. Some of the best people around you. You mentioned Lonnie, uh, who is, I think, you know, very just top, not top of the game. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about the way she, she, she handles her business. What has your experience been like? Really quick, we'll get you out of here on this, but what has your experience been like um, in professional ball, being so young, but having someone in your corner like, like Alani Murray and Dave Stewart? I feel like they picked me up when I was at my lowest, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Like both of them is like they my agent, but I look at them further than just an agent. Like I look at them as like a second set of parents. They don't treat me really like a, a client, I would say. They treat mm -hmm. me like I'm really one of theirs. And like I said, I feel like they picked me up at my my all time lowest in my career because I was coming off of like I said, a bad year to where I felt like I was on the chopping blocks. Mm -hmm. And and they picked me up and 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 walked me through the whole process and, and let me know that everything was gonna be all right. And look where we are now today. I I, I thank them daily and I, I can't thank them enough for, for doing how, what they have done for me. How important is it to have like a good agent in you? Because again, these are things that people like me, I will never know. I will never know what it's like to be drafted and have to make life decisions like this. How important is it to have like good guidance, especially when you're talking about professional ball and contracts and endorsements and all kinds of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I would say it's, it's everything really. Cause you got to remember like not to dig as deep into it as, as I'm about to go, but people lose their life every day. Mm. So you could, not have like both of your parents can be here. Both of your parents absolutely could be gone, and I feel like to have an agent where you can just call and talk about anything. Like with with Lonnie and Dave, like I anything could be on my mind. I can call something could be bothering me. I can call and they walk me through the whole thing. And to mm -hmm. have an agent like that, I feel like it's tremendous because you don't always want to go to your to your parents and you don't always go to your family to to talk about certain things. And to be able to go to somebody that realistically has your life in their hands to a certain point, like that's that's everything, really. So, my, we're gonna have to leave it there. I will tell you this: I have never been a Royals fan in my life. <laughs> I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you this: I am going to be rooting for the Royals as as I can. I'm gonna be rooting for you first. And right. then uh in turn, look, in turn. Now you gonna see it, you gonna see it in the World Series next year. Watch. If it happens for me to 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 turn on more Royals games than I ever have before, you are the reason why. Man, I wish you the best of luck as you uh as you move into 2023. Obviously, wish you the best of health. And we'll do we'll do it again, man. I'll, I'd love to just chop chop it up with you as you move through this phase of your career and, and this phase of your life, man. Uh I mean, nothing but the best, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. God bless and Merry Christmas. Excellent. Tell everybody real quick where they can follow you. You can follow me on Instagram at L-I-L dot B-I-L-L-5. That has nothing to do with this name. Nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Taylor 7 and that's all the platforms I'll be on. Look, I appreciate it. This is the Black Baseball Mixtape. Until next time, we see it. Thank <laughs> you.